let me go back a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, you would have heard me sharing on uh, the subject of prayer. Many of you would know in Family Church that we're going through a series of prayer um, right the way through from September through to December. You may think, goodness, is there that much to talk about prayer? Um, Yeah, if you go step by step, precept upon precept, absolutely. Why do we need to know about prayer? Um, Do you know what? It's It's one of those things that Potentially, everybody in this room has prayed, whether you are a God lover, God believer, or you don't even believe in God. The chances are you've prayed at some time. God help me. That's, that's a prayer. That's a most, the most common prayer that people pray all across the world. Uh, God help me. Because they've got themselves in a situation that they, they want God to get them out of the situation. There's a situation in their family, and they pray, God help me. But there is something so powerful when it comes to prayer. And, and I believe as we dig into this, we want to not just excite and, and, and ignite something. We want you to be so passionate about praying in your daily life. And um, I guess last, last week, week, a week before last, we were talking about closet prayer. We were talking about what Jesus said, when you go and pray, go into your closet. Well, he wasn't talking about your wardrobe. He was talking about a room in your house, somewhere that's private to you, and you can spend time with God. You can be real before God. You can just pour out your heart. You can shout and holler. You can do whatever you want because it's just you and him. And I just trust, having heard some several conversations from people and the responses that I've got, there was a lot of people who were excited by that Sunday. But I pray that you... Something was imparted, not just excited. Do you know what? You can be excited about something, but it's come, it's gone, it's finished, we're moving on. But when some, there's an impartation, when you got in, if you get imparted by God by something, that continues in your life. And I pray that you, you, you didn't start well, and you did Monday, Tuesday, and then oh, Wednesday got a bit busy. But actually, it's something that you've worked into your life, and it's become a daily habit in your life where you spend quality time with the Lord in, uh, in your closet, in your room, in that private place. But today we're going to look at a second thought, a second thought that goes really with closet prayer, and that's collective prayer. That's when we turn around and say, right, we're going to stop everything right now, and we're just going to pray. We're going to lay hold of God. We're going to see God move in a particular situation. That is called collective prayer or the gathering of the saints to pray or the gathering of like-minded people to pray. And it's really important that we understand the two aspects because there should be a personal devotional prayer life in all of us. But what you'll find is people feel, oh, I can only go to the prayer meeting because only those who pray well will go to the prayer meeting. I don't really know. I don't think my prayers will count. I don't think I, don't think I can pray well enough to, to go to a prayer meeting. Or if I go to the prayer meeting, if I pray, perhaps everyone, I think my prayers don't, don't match up to everybody else's. And there can be a lot of issues around collective prayer and what collective prayer is. And I really want to sort of just give a little short teaching on what it looks like and what it feels like. If you've been around Family Church for any length of time, you know One of my favorite passages in the Bible describing what the church looks like or feels like is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. And that's going to be our launch pad. And then we're just going to go into this a little bit more because prayer is so exciting. It is you communicating personally with God. It is you or us as a church communicating with God 
to see some things change, and, and, and it's really powerful. And here, the church has just been birthed, and amazing things have been happening, and, and we see the teachings of God begin to unravel. And here in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we read these words. And they, they the church, they the gathering, the people, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which is the reading and the understanding of God's word. It's not just the reading religiously, just reading the word. It's understand. See, until this becomes... See, this, ah, there's so much I want to say. This is logos. It is the written word. But this written word can come alive and then it becomes rhema. It becomes the living word to you. It becomes real. It becomes revelation. It becomes words off a page become truth to your life. Um, right now in your life, every one of you or m- many of you in the room perhaps had a revelation that Jesus died on the cross, not for himself, not just for those he died for way back then, but he died on a cross for you, for me, and for everybody in this world today, just like he did in the world back then. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was once for all time. That revelation may have come to you 10 years ago, and it's become so real that everything about your life revolves around the fact that Jesus lives and died, and he rose again to change my life and your life. There may be others in the room where you're a bit agnostic, and you don't really know quite what to believe, You want to believe that there's a greater power, but actually, what does that look like? How does that affect my life? And then, you know, there may be someone in the room and you say, well, I'm 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 an atheist. I don't believe in anything. Well, you believe in atheism, so you believe in something. So there's levels of belief in all of our lives about what we believe to be true. But when you read this this book and the Holy Spirit suddenly brings it alive, it goes from logos to rhema, a revelation of, in your heart. That is what the Apostles' Doctrine is. Then they fellowship, they connected with one another, they did life together, not just gathering on a Sunday. It would be such a sad experience if all we experienced was church on a Sunday. No, no, no. They fellowshiped, they met up, they hang, hung out together, they, they did connect groups. They didn't call them connect groups, but they went from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship with one another. They had meals together, they enjoyed life together. Let's never ever be a church where we just come and gather and then go and scatter. We're a church who gathers and fellowships together. And then then the breaking of bread. Um, Again, breaking of bread should not be down to one Sunday a month. We do that collectively as a church, one Sunday a month. But every connect group, ministry group within the church, you can do communion as often as you like. Husband and wife, you can do uh, communion as often as you like. You can, you can sit there with the dog next to you and you can do communion on your own. Don't share it with the animal, please. But you, know, you can share communion with you and the Lord together. It doesn't matter, but let's do it as often as the Lord reminds us these things. Gathering together prayers. They, one, of the, one of the foundational truths of the word in the early church was they continued steadfastly in prayer. We have to be a church who prays. We have to be a people who pray. There is nothing that is done in this world that isn't changed by the power of prayer. And in our lives, it is when we pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, 
I will hear from heaven and heal the land. That's the promise of God. He will move. He hearkens to the voice. He hearkens for us to release his word back to him so that he moves. What is that? That's us praying. It's us praying the word and releasing the word back to God so that he can move upon his word on our behalf. I believe that we're living in a time and a season where the church need to be praying like they've never been praying before. All we got to do is look at our world right now. And we are on the brink of mass destruction, not just in the Middle East, but how that could expand in nation upon nation upon nation. And if it, if it includes Syria, if it includes Iran, if it includes Lebanon, if these others join in, America is going to be in there. And if they are, then who knows what could happen. We are, you know, I'm, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. You know that. I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, but we are on the brink of something. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, I will heal the land. We can't, we, the church can't sit back and say, it's not my problem. It's everyone's problem. Pray. The Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. Why? Because everything in this world, whether we like it or not, everything in this world revolves around Israel. Israel is the key to everything. It is actually the key to world peace. It is also key to world destruction. We've got to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and the peace of, of Israel. But also for the innocent on both sides. Because it's the innocent on both sides that have been the loss, the pain, the heartache for every family. So we've got to be praying, just like they did in these days. When you think of the atrocities that were happening in the book of Acts, where the church, the Christian church, was so persecuted, the church would gather together. They knew their strength came when they prayed. They knew things would move. They knew that the angels of heaven would be, would be released to move. I tell you, this is an incredible power when the church rise up and pray together. I know that in the connect groups, and, and there are several connect groups in family church, and I know that the connect groups are praying. There's not just prayer as a whole, but there are prayer in the groups that are meeting together. I know that the worship team pray together here on a Wednesday night as part of their worship and the people and the, the situations that they're involved in. There's the prayer chain. You know, if you're if you've not part of the prayer chain, we have an email that goes out of the prayer requests that are prayed here on a Sunday or anything else that comes in during the week. And there's a prayer chain. If you want to be a part of the prayer chain, please speak to Claire and she'll get you on to the email uh, so you can receive those. Plus, we started at the beginning of the service or the beginning of the morning at quarter to 10 to 10 o'clock. If, if you're going to be serious about prayer, a quarter to 10 to 10 o'clock, we've got 15 minutes, powerhouse prayer, where we come, where we pray, where we just declare the goodness of God in this place. If you're wondering why things are beginning to kick off in this place, I reckon it has something to do with prayer. Because this place... Is where his presence dwells. 
And anything is possible when the presence of God is active. I got an advance notice for you. We're going to be running a half night of prayer. Oh, three, three. <laughs> going to be three of us there. Okay, by the end of me preaching on the gathering, there may be more than three. But um, So I, put this in your diary or fix it in your mind. Advance notice, running a half night of prayer, Friday the 27th of October, 7 till 12. If you don't like prayer, you'll be thinking, oh, no, that's so long. If I don't go, the pastor, I think I don't like prayer. No, no, no. We only want those who've got a heart for prayer and those who want to pray. You know, please. And then in November, it gets even better, this does, we're going to do a 24-hour prayer time. 24 hours of prayer. We're going to make it really easy for everybody. You can take one hour. We're going to put 24-hour clock. You can take one hour and take that away with you and pray at home. We're going to make it easy first. We're going to ease you into this gently. It's when we all gather here for 24 hours and we say, we're going to pray for 24 hours. And it's like, that's when the shock horror faces. All that time, where's my food? Can we bring food with us? No, fast and pray. But there is an urgency. There is an urgency for us as a church. We can have fun, we can laugh, but actually, there is an urgency. There's an urgency for all our kids that are out in kids' church. They're growing up in this world. We've often said, and you probably heard us say, we don't want any of these children lost to this world. We pray over them, we declare God's goodness over their lives. I believe there is an urgency for all of us in prayer. Prayer may be new to you. It may be the thought of coming to a prayer meeting may scare the living daylights. I remember when I first went to a prayer meeting way, 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 way back. Goodness me, I was scared stiff. There were people in that room that knew how to pray. I had no idea. I had not long come out off the streets and out of the pubs and the nightclubs. The only thing I knew had, Lord, don't let the police catch me. That was about the prayer I prayed in those days. Or, or Lord, help my mum and dad. As Emma was praying or encouraged us today. It's incredible that we live in a time where we believe God is moving and the church are rising up to pray. Every single one of, the, of, of us in this room, if you have voice, even if you haven't got voice, you can pray. But if you've, got a, if you've got a tongue in your mouth, I would almost like to chat. Let's just check. Everyone's got a tongue in their mouth. Because if you've got a tongue in your mouth, you can pray. Thank you for those who poked it out. <laughs> the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, Jews would pray three times a day. At nine, the, the third hour. At 12 noon, the sixth hour. And at 3 p.m., the ninth hour. Do you know how significant that is? I'm not saying that we have to, to, to suddenly decide we're going to start praying three times a day. And I, I would encourage you. The, I would encourage you to pray three times a day. At, at nine, at midday, and at three. I'd encourage you to do that because there's very good reason. But clearly the New Testament teaches us pray without ceasing. Have a heart to just be praying as and when the Lord leads you. But what is the significance? These three 
times when the Jews would pray signify three specific moments when Jesus died. Jesus was crucified at the ninth uh, at 9 a.m. According to Mark 15:25. Darkness fell over the land starting at noon. Mark 15:33. And Jesus died at 3 p.m. Mark 15 verse 34. Those three moments from ages past in the Old Testament they prayed it three times. Daniel, you can read the book of Daniel. Daniel prayed three times a day, as was his custom. It was those same three moments. And then you go into the Gospels, and then Jesus died, was hung on a cross, died, um, hung on a cross, darkness, and then died. Those three moments. I believe there's a significance in those three moments. Set, set an alarm on your clock for those three moments in your day, but then also be praying on a regular basis. But do you know what? Those three time moments continued in the New Testament. I'm going to give you um, an example of one of them, but you can find other moments when they still prayed at that same time through the New Testament. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, the moment that Jesus died. Isn't it incredible? Jesus had died pages before, but they're still following that same process and time. Peter was praying at a certain time up, in his, up, in the, up on the roof of the house at the 12th hour. You see these throughout Scripture. Look at this. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. It wasn't, they didn't say, oh, come on, Peter, you know, Peter, John, let's, let's just pray together. Let's have a nice little prayer time where two, where two are together. You know, God's in the midst. No, they didn't say that. They, went, they said, let's go to the temple. Let's go to the house of God. Let's go to where the prayer meeting's going on. Let's gather together with the rest of the Christians and let's pray. I just want to encourage you. Collective prayer is a simple gathering of people who come together with a single mind to pray and see God move. God answers prayer. He's not a God that doesn't hear. He's not a God of stone. He's not a God of, of the past. He's the God of the present, and he's a God of our tomorrow. He still answers prayer. That is amazing. So what happens when we gather together? Just in case you've never been to a gathering of prayer or in a prayer meeting... We combine our prayers and we see God move. That simple. We pray, God moves. It has to be a prayer in line with his word and according to his kingdom. But when we pray, God hears. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. Either we believe the song well, we believe the scripture, which is in Psalm, which it says, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he delivered me from all my fears. That is a psalm. It's what we preach. It's what we teach. It's what we sing. That's what a prayer meeting is. I sought the Lord, and I know that he hears, and I know that he answers. That is why we gather together to pray. Our prayers are often around 
a specific theme or a common theme. So whoever's leading that particular prayer meeting, and Emma leads many of our prayer times, um, and, and she, she may say, like this morning, let's pray for our children. Well, let's, to come into agreement with that, we don't pray about Auntie Betty's toenail. Because that's not agreeing with the leading of the Holy Spirit or the leading of the Lord or the leading of the person in the prayer meeting. The person in the prayer meeting said, Let, let's pray for our youth or let's pray for our kids. And we all begin to pray in that direction. Do you know what? That's prayer of agreement. Because we're all agreeing to pray in that particular area. One of the things I love and I learned when I was in, not I was in prison, when I was a chaplain in prison. I thought I'd better get that way. When I was a chaplain in a prison, one of the things that I learned was the power of collective prayer. And I would see men, because it was a men's prison, and I'd see these men in this prison pray like I've never seen men pray before. And do you know what? I, I absolutely believe God hears men and women, absolutely. But because men's lives have been so politically correct, no. Men's lives have been so demasculized that we've become so effeminate in our ways by the media and by television that we, it's difficult to be a man in a, in, a, in a weird world. But I tell you what, there's something when a man stands up on, his fam- on behalf of his family. When a man will stand up on behalf of his children or his children's children, or when a man would stand up in the midst of the congregation and he may not be able to pray effectively or in his own thoughts effectively. But he stands there and he begins to declare God's word over the church or a situation. I believe it takes God's attention. The Bible is very clear. If you don't treat your wife right, husbands, don't expect your prayers to be answered. That's why I believe it's very significant when a man will stand up and be counted in his house. And if you've not got a man who will stand up in your house to pray, then you be the covering for your household. As a mum, as a lady, as a female, then you stand up and declare the goodness of God over your life. But prayer works. That's why I'm so excited about prayer. Because I've seen it work. I've seen. I, there was a, I, I could go through story after story. I'm, I once had four wisdom teeth pulled at the same time. As I was being driven home by my dad, I threw up. Blood went everywhere. I opened the stitches because one of them was growing back. I opened the stitches. Blood just going everywhere. It was horrendous. Sorry, going to have dinner in about ten minutes. <laughs> I had absolutely no pain. I didn't take one painkiller because we prayed and I declared over my my, my physical body, I will not feel the pain. Now you can say, oh, that's mind over matter. No, God answered my prayer. Even when I split the stitch open, I still didn't go back to the doctor. I didn't go back to the hospital to get it restitched. I just bit down on this piece of cloth until it sorted itself out. God, no pain. Miraculous, wasn't it? We could go through so many stories. I haven't got time. Well, no, we didn't bring food, so we won't stay. Okay. 
Listen to this. Listen to this. This is the Bible. For you, it may not be true. For others, it may be Logos. For me, it's Rhema. This is the scripture. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you. I wonder how many times Jesus had to say it. Oh, again, I say to you. Again and again, I say to you. Anyway, uh, verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That is pretty... Boof. How, how, the problem isn't God, it's us. The problem isn't God, isn't, that, that's his word. Jesus is in red. Jesus is saying it to the disciples. He was saying, you're the problem. You're not believing what I'm saying. But again, I say to you, if two of you agree touching anything, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But it's true. Because we have a good, good father. We have a good God who watches over us and has our best in mind. Collective prayer is powerful. Nations can change when we come together to pray. I remember way back when Alan was the pastor of the church... And there was a situation kicking off around the world. And we came together as a church and we prayed. That situation in that nation changed within a week. I believe it was an answer to prayer. There's been situations in our family. We prayed. We've seen it turn around. We haven't seen them all turn around, but we've seen a number turn around. God is a God who answers prayer. The early New Testament church knew that when they were under pressure, God was the answer. They knew that when they, were, when they were being persecuted, when they were going through a tough time, when they were going through stress, when they were going through anxiety, when they knew, they knew that God was their answer. I'm going to show you through a passage of scripture what happens when we gather to pray. I, I, I have loved the fact that we've seen our numbers in prayer growing and growing. Absolutely love it. But when this becomes a revelation to you, there'll be nothing that will stop you. Why do we do collective prayer? We seek God together and we stand in the gap for others. We seek God and we stand. We seek and stand. We seek and stand. Acts chapter 12. Persecution of the, of the New Testament church, the leaders of the New Testament church. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so that when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison because, because they had already killed James. And it was so pleasing to the people, they now had Peter. And you think, this is just wrong. These are the forefathers of the church that we believe. And Peter therefore was kept in prison. But... Constant prayer was offered to God for him 
by the church. Constant prayer. That sounds like 24-hour prayer meeting. And we're not going to stop until we see this happen. And to see, to see that, to see a move of God where, you know, I don't want to get arrested, but one day I might for what I believe and what I declare and what goes out on the airwaves and out on Spotify and the world can hear whatever I say. I may get arrested one day for what I believe, and so may you for what you believe. But constant prayer by the church. That's why we need to love one another, know one another, be strong together in our faith. But constant prayer was offered to God by uh, for, to uh, offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, he was about to bring him out. That night, Peter was sleeping. <laughs> he was about to be killed for his faith. And Peter was sleeping. Peace like a river. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that guarded his heart and his mind in this situation. He was able to sleep. He was bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are about angels, but the Bible is very clear. Psalm 103, they are ministering spirits to those who are heirs of salvation. We have encountered angelic support and help, which is amazing. I know my mum's had an experience, and there's probably many others in this room that have encountered an angelic help in moments when you least expected it. The Bible actually says, and let, you may entertain angels unaware. They don't look like flappy winged things. I know you often think I'm an angel, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but we, I wonder how many of us have entertained an angel without ever knowing it. That person that stood out in the road, you put on your brakes because you, if you hadn't put on your brakes, you would have had head-on collision. You think, stupid person, but actually the angel slowed you down. Who knows? But I do know that they are ministering spirits for the heirs of salvation on this earth for us. If you don't believe me, go and read Psalm 103. You'll get there eventually. So he says, uh, the, uh, the angel said, I kicked him on the side and said, rise up. Um, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird up, gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was being done was an angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they passed the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel, and he delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. 
I just love this passage. It goes on and goes on. You know, Rhoda comes down, sees it's Peter, realizes it's Peter. She closes the door, runs back upstairs, forgets to invite him in. Um, everyone's saying, don't be silly, Peter's in prison. No, she's saying he's downstairs, and they just can't believe what's happened. But do you know what? That's what prayer does. It's almost to the point of, really? Has that really happened? We often say, I don't believe it. <laughs> Why are you praying then? We need to be praying and believing it. And when we see the manifestation and the miracle and the turnaround and the breakthrough and whatever it is that we're dealing through in life, we believe it. Why? Because we were praying for it. Standing together in the gap. That's what the church were doing. They were standing together, unified, with one purpose. They weren't there praying for good weather on their holiday. They were praying for Peter's release from prison. They were unified in heart and mind and prayer. They knew what they were expecting and believing for. You may like to be heard by others in the room when you pray. But the truth is, nobody else needs to hear your prayer but God. Oh, but what about the prayer agreement? How about this? When we pray in agreement with each other, when we pray in the same direction as each other, and we pray for the same things as each other, and with the same heart as each other, isn't this agreement? So when we all gather together and we pray, if two agree touching anything, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. Come on, church. Something moves in the heavenlies. And something moves here on this earth. And I want to encourage you. When we do our 24-hour, when we do our half-night, when we do our Sunday evening, when we gather here on a Sunday at quarter to ten, when you have a connect group, when you, when, when you gather together as a couple... Whatever it is that you do in prayer, I want you to know this. Prayer works. God answers. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answers. I sought the Lord. The key is, are we seeking him? Are we praying? That is the key. We say, oh, Lord, I'm praying. I, you know, I, over the years, people would, say, come, would come to me and say, Pastor Jeff, could you pray for me? Because uh, I've got a big decision to make this week. And I would say, yeah, I'll, be, I'll pray for you. And hand on heart, I'd walk away and I'd forget. And I'd get partway through the week and I'd suddenly remember, oh, it was on Tuesday and now I'm on Thursday. Lord, I know you can answer in hindsight prayers. And I would feel so awful. But now, very often, when someone comes and asks me, could you pray this or could you pray for that? I say, let's pray right now. <laughs> that way I've got no chance of forgetting. Because I don't want to forget to pray when I know God answers. He answers prayer. So as Family Church, we believe in closet prayers. You, yourself, hidden away, being honest and real before God. But we also believe in collective prayer, where we come together. Wouldn't it be amazing if we suddenly said, right, four o'clock this afternoon, we're going to gather back here and we're going to pray. 
Who would? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Who would? It's that moment in our life where you think, okay, that's where the rubber hits the road. What's more important? Would we see a move of God? Would we, if we do these spontaneous things, would we see something beyond the ordinary? I'm going to finish there. You may be in the room and you've never prayed in your life. Or you've never seen an answer to prayer. Or you may have prayed, but you're waiting. I want to share with you the greatest prayer that you will ever pray. Lord, save me. Save me from my sin. Save me from my past. Save me from my wrong. That is the greatest prayer any, any one of us. And if God answers that, he answers everything when prayed according to his will. You may be here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray as a very simple prayer and then I want us to do something afterwards. And then we're going to have our teas and coffees and chill and whatever else. I want us all to pray this prayer. You may have prayed it many, many times. You may have prayed it and you're already saved. But I want to pray it in case there's someone in the room and you're praying it for the first time or you're praying because you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour. So would you just bow your eyes, bow your head, close your eyes and pray this nice and loud with those in this room this morning. Jesus, I come to you because you died for me 2,000 years ago. When you hung on that cross, you still forgive people today. You forgive me today of my wrong, of my sin, and of my past. I thank you, Jesus, that you give second chances. And I take that second chance today. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While every head is still bowed, I'm going to ask if you prayed that prayer today, the greatest and the simplest prayer you'll ever pray, a life-transforming prayer. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. Feel free just to pop it back down. But if you prayed it and you prayed it sincerely in your heart, pop up your hand right now. One, two, Three, if you pray it, just give us a wave. Thank you. I see that hand. So anybody else in this room, you say, yes, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. There's three people in the room who are saying yes. Thank you. I see that hand. So anybody else, and you say, yes, Jesus, you're my Lord, my Savior. You're the one I'm committing to. You're the one who forgives my past and gives me a brand new start. Is there anybody else in this room? I'm going to count down from five. Four people are responding in this room today. Five, four, three. Thank you, I see your hand. Two, one. Father, I pray for every hand and every heart that is being real and genuine before you today. You know the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And I pray, Father, that you would just bring such joy and that sense of 
that cleanness that you bring as you forgive, as you cleanse, as you wash us white as snow. Father, fill them with the Holy Spirit. Seal them with the Spirit of promise, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just want to read this. I can't remember now where we started. Can you remember the verse? Five or eight. Okay, we're going to start on five. Remember. Okay, the psalm is Psalm 105. The eternal faithfulness of the Lord. Verse 5 says, Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham. His oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. Saying to you I will give the land of Cana. As an allotment of your inheritance. When they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. I want us, if you feel comfortable to do so, I want you to stand as we pray for Israel. As we pray for that they would have wisdom as a nation and pray for the innocent in Gaza. You permitted no one to do them wrong. Father, we stand before you on behalf of of Israel and on behalf of the innocent on both sides of the conflict. And Father, our hearts just cry out to you. And we ask, Lord God, that you would move supernaturally in this situation. Lord, I know your people are Israel, but your heart is for all mankind, that none would perish, that none would be uh, come without a knowledge of the truth. So, Father, we pray. We pray for those in Gaza who are innocent, for the loved ones of those who are struggling, for those who are displaced, those that are being bombed. Father, we pray that you would watch over their lives. Lord, give them divine encounters, we pray. Father, we ask for your hand upon their lives. Father, for the perpetrators in Hamas and those that have created this destruction, Father, we pray for justice and what is right to take place. Father, for Israel, we lift them before you and we ask that you would give wisdom to the Prime Minister and the war, uh, the war cabinet that are gathered together to make wise decisions 
regarding not only their future, but the future of our known Middle East world. Father, we stand before you and we say, Lord, move. Move like only you can. You turn the hearts of the king in the way in which you desire. So, Father, for those in power on both sides of the conflict and those that have an influence in their ear, Father, we pray for a move of God. Lord, we stand on behalf of those hostages that have been taken and those that still survive. Father, we pray for them. Lord, just as Peter was released supernaturally from that prison cell who was about to be killed, Father, we pray for a release of those men, women, and children. Lord, only you can do it. Only you can break through in this situation. Only you can show mercy and grace. Only you can break through in this. And we just cry out to you. God, have your way. Preserve their lives. Father, we just lift the Middle East, Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, and the surrounding regions, Lord. We just lift them all before you. And we say, Father, we know that we're in the last days. We know that the times we're living in are uncertain days, as your word says. But Father, we just call out, we stand in the gap for the nations in the Middle East right now. And we say, Father... Have your voice. May they hear the voice of the one who has time in his hands. Lord, there is an appointed time when Jesus returns. We know that. But Father, you said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the nation of Israel. And Father, we lift them all before you today. Lord, you comfort those who mourn. And Father, around the world where protests and situations and persecution is arising, Father, I pray that you would protect the innocent and justice would be ministered to those who are wrong. Father, we thank you that you uphold all things by the word of your power and nothing can happen on this earth without your final say you have the final say you lord god have the final say in jesus name amen amen amen, amen.